This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. Heading into spring, I've been spending a lot of time pondering, analyzing, and debating something extremely important to men, and even many women, and that's whether a new driver would improve my golf game. I would say I'm somewhere between embarrassing and appalling at golf, but man, do I love it. And all my buddies show up with these epic flash, big Maverick Bertha drivers, and I can't help but feel like they've got this massive advantage on me and my persimmons. It's Ryan, and at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're proud to have a pretty special advantage ourselves, and one that can be a big deal for you. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company uses its own money and makes its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We're much better at mortgages than I am at golf. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. We got mess going on. We can't find peace with other people. It's not that they're the problem. We're the problem. The guilt is cascading down around us. Things are not working out. Why? Because we've chosen to disobey God. And God said, okay, I'm hurling a storm. You think you can run from me? Seriously? Ever wondered why you can't seem to get anywhere spiritually? You pray and ask and nothing happens. Well, there may be many reasons for that, but could it be that you're simply avoiding what God has intended for you to do? We've all been there. We resist His promptings, we fail to read His Word, or we're simply keeping God at arm's length trying to live for ourselves. The outcome? We won't have God's blessing on our lives, and He will pursue us. This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of author and speaker Crawford Lorenz. Now, before we get too far along here, I want to take a moment to wish moms a happy Mother's Day. It could be a joyous day, but uh, we also want to be sensitive to those who struggle with it. Many women are hoping to be moms, but things haven't worked out that way yet. Some moms are estranged from their kids today, and that can be painful. Single moms battling it out each day to keep moving forward. Well, wherever God has you at the moment, please know that you're loved and cherished as an individual by Him. You're not forgotten. You are greatly appreciated. So moms, thank you for your commitment, dedication, and perseverance. If you're new to our program, Crawford has been involved in church and organizational ministry for over 40 years and has authored several books, including Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, Letters from a Birmingham Jail, and Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Today, Crawford begins a new series called God's Severe Mercy, and we'll be studying the book of Jonah. Jonah, of course, is far more than a story about a great fish swallowing Jonah. It's about God's intentions for our lives if, in fact, we've committed ourselves to him. Today's message is titled, Self-Righteous Disobedience, in our text, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Here's Crawford Loritz on Living a Legacy. Now, I got to tell you, about maybe 12, 13 years ago, I did a series on Jonah. I've preached through that book before, but as I revisited it this time, I've changed some perspectives on it. In fact, there's a great resource that I want to encourage you to pick up. It's written by Tim Keller, and the title of this book, now he wrote a book entitled, the prodigal uh, God. This book is entitled The Prodigal Prophet. It's about Jonah, and it's about Jonah's struggle. 
Jonah struggled with the whole idea of mercy. He struggled with mercy. He struggled with showing grace and showing mercy. In fact, I've entitled or, 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 or taken from this book, the theme of the book of Jonah is God's severe mercy. God's severe mercy. And I use that word combination uh, intentionally because his mercy goes far beyond anything that we can ever comprehend. And you see this here in the book of Jonah. We're beginning today in chapter 1. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn their Bible or device uh, to Jonah chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first six verses. And the message title today uh, is not a very flowery title. The message title today is Self-Righteous Disobedience. Self-Righteous Disobedience. You know, a number of years ago, I read that wonderful book entitled Unbroken. It's the story of Louis Zamperini. Uh, Zamperini, uh, as you may know, some of you read the book and even saw the movie or saw the film. Um, his plane went down during World War II over the South Pacific. And he was uh, stranded, he was afloat there uh, for something like 46, 47 days. Finally, he was captured by the Japanese and taken to Japan and put into a, a concentration camp. And he was brutally beaten and tortured, uh, roughed up. It was amazing. He didn't think he was going to live. Well, finally, the war ended, and he is rescued and comes back to California. He gets married. Um, but life doesn't go well for him. He spirals down. He becomes an alcoholic. Well, his wife attends this outreach, this crusade, by this young evangelist by the name of Billy Graham. She invites Louis to come, and Louis goes to the services and gives his heart to Jesus Christ. He is radically changed, and he begins to grow and develop in his walk and relationship with God. But one of the things that God begins to do in his heart and life is to convince him that he needs to show the grace and mercy that he's received from Jesus no, not just to his friends, but to those guards back in Japan, those very ones who tortured him. And so you know what he does? He goes back to Japan, runs down these very guards, and expresses his love and forgiveness, <laughs> amazing, to the men who almost took his life. And it was all because of what God did in his own heart and mind. Keep that story in the back of your mind. Put a pin in that as you read through the book of Jonah. Because this is the message that God is drilling into the heart and mind of this prophet, paradoxically, a prophet. Jonah's biggest struggle was a struggle with self-righteousness. His biggest struggle was a struggle with self-righteousness. He felt that he belonged to the right group of people. He was a, a, a Jew, and he was a prophet, and he understood the voice of God, and he understood how God worked, and doggone it, this is the way he works, and this is the way he's always going to work. Keller gives us a little bit of an insight, and I want to quote from him, uh, from his book, The Prodigal Prophet. He says that Jonah wanted a God of his own making, a God who simply smites bad people, for instance, the wicked Ninevites, and blesses good people, for instance, Jonah and his countrymen. Jonah wanted God to be like him. Jonah wanted God to deal with people the way he preferred to deal with people. And this indeed is self-righteousness. 
Uh, we're going to get into the text here in a second, but I, I thought it was important to give a couple of characteristics of self-righteousness. And I've outlined three of them. Self-righteous people are characterized by uh, uh, having a hard time, number one, extending grace and mercy to others, although they demand it for themselves. I've seen this in folks. I've seen it in my own life, my own journey through self-righteousness. We, 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 we have a hard time extending grace and extending mercy. But paradoxically, we, we, we demand it for ourselves. Secondly, self-righteous people, they present themselves as the standard. I'm the standard. I don't struggle with these things. I don't struggle with these problems. I don't struggle with these issues. In a hypocritical way, they project on others not so much God's standard, but they feel like they are the standard. And you see this and smell this all the way through the book of Jonah. And then thirdly, self-righteous people judge others and assume that even God will measure up to their expectations. That's a strong statement. They won't articulate it that way, but they assume that they have mastered the biblical content and they know so much about God and they pour it through their own carnal posturing and they think that even God has to measure up to their expectations. Now, before you say that's crazy, read the book of Jonah because that's exactly where he is. And I'll tip my hand, you get to chapter four, that's why he's so ticked off at God. He's mad at God because God did not meet his expectation in terms of how he should have dealt with the Ninevites. And so Jonah's struggle was a struggle with self-righteousness. Jonah was a str struggle was a struggle with pride. And the way we kick this thing off in these first six verses is here you have Jonah, God teaching Jonah two important lessons. And these two lessons are the primary pillars of the entire book of Jonah. And I just want to say it applicationally. The first lesson is this. God sometimes will tell us what we don't want to hear. Lesson number one. And lesson number two, God will not be ignored. Those are foundational lessons. God often will tell us what we don't want to hear. And then secondly, God will not be ignored. I want to say that second one again. God will not be ignored. Well, the first lesson is this. Okay, we pick it up here in chapter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Number one is that uh, God will sometimes tell us stuff that we don't want to hear. And so in verse 1, there's this clear call from God. Verses 1 and 2, very clear. Uh, God does not mince word. He is not indirect. It's not a dream that needs to be interpreted. It's not some little riddle that you need to go and figure out. Uh, God doesn't stutter. He doesn't have a speech impediment here. He is very clear about what he wants Jonah to do. It's a clear call. He says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. Ah, that's the assignment. Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city. Now, in order to understand Jonah's pushback, you got to understand a little bit about Nineveh. <laughs> you got to understand a little bit about Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh was not a neutral place. Uh, um, 
Nineveh, Nineveh was uh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And here you have something else that you need to understand that, that the text doesn't come right out and say this. But if my, if my research is correct, Jonah is the only prophet in the Old Testament that is sent to a Gentile nation. The prophets of God were normally sent to his own people. Now, they, they prophesied against other nations, that's, that's for sure. But they were, sent, they were sent to their own people. Here, Jonah is sent to a Gentile nation. Now, it's not just any Gentile nation. It's not just any Gentile nation. It's not just any Gentile city. It's Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, it's huge. The Assyrians were the oppressors of the Jews. So here you have this Hebrew, this Jew, being sent by God to not just any Gentile city, but the capital city of a notorious Assyrian Empire. Now, the Assyrians today would be known as a terrorist state. Uh, if you just study the history, and I don't want to ambush our time here, but if you would just study the history of the Assyrians, they were not just bad people. They were of the most violent and cruel people in ancient times. So Jonah said, you, you, you want me to go where? But there was a clear call. No, you, you, go, you go to Nineveh. Yeah, that great city... Yeah, you know about them. The capital of the Assyrians. Yeah, they're brutal people. Yeah, they're, they're the enemies. They're the enemies of my people. But I want you to go there, Jonah. I want you to go there. And yet it was this very nation that God wanted to show his compassion. Do you see why I entitled the series, God's Severe Mercy? Now, you know, I've heard sermons before where they just get all over Jonah for wanting to disobey God. They get all over him because he didn't want to do this. Now, I got I to tell you, as I was studying this text again, I'm thinking to myself, if I knew what Jonah knew, I would have some pushback. I don't know that I would have done what he did, but I'd have some pushback. As God, are you serious? I mean, maybe I misheard you. No, but God wanted him to go there. Now, this begs two questions. Number one is this. How could a good God give a nation like that even a slight chance to experience his mercy? How could that be? And the second question is, how could God ask Jonah to betray his country's interests? How could that be? That's, that's, that's kind of like right after 9-11. God sending some of us to be missionaries, not, not only to these terrorist states, but to the leaders of these states and the people who organized the bombing. How could God do that? And yet this is precisely what he does. And so there is this clear call, but then secondly, there is equally a clear refusal. John in verse three says, I'm not doing it. Flat out, no, I'm not going there. Says in verse three, but Jonah rose to flee. God says, arise and go. Jonah arose to flee. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, that was stupid. 
Jonah was a prophet. He knew he couldn't get away, away from God. He understood his theology. But he, he, he got up and ran. He said, I am not going to do this. So he, wrote, he went to Tarshish to get away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Redundancy here. Got to get away from God. Got to get away from God. Got to get away from God. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I, I can't stand this. This is not what I signed up for. Those are some wicked, evil people, and I'd rather die than do what you tell me to do. Now, you got to understand some ge- geography. I, uh, I've been to Joppa there, it, 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 where Jonah went. Nineveh, Nineveh was there in the Mediterranean, there in Joppa, was approximately 500 miles northeast of Joppa. Tarsus, check this out, was approximately 2,000 miles west of Joppa. God said, no, I want you here. Jonah said, no, I'm going as far away from you as I possibly can, can go. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. Now, before we get too hard on him, what about you? At this stage in my life, I, I know one thing for sure. There's a lot of things that I'm not sure about, but I know this for sure. God will often tell you to do stuff that you just cannot stand to do. What are you going to do? Could it be that some of you listening to me right now, you have been, quote, running from the Lord. You've been running from his call on your life. You've been running and going in the opposite direction, frankly, because what he's assigned you to do and told you to do is not what you're willing to do. It doesn't fit with where you're going or what you like. But as we'll see a little bit later here, you can't, um, you can't outrun God. You see, Jonah had a problem with the job he was given, but he had a bigger problem with the one who gave him the job. Jonah's anger was extended toward God. And so the redundancy there, when, when, when the writer says that he ran away from the presence of the Lord, he says, yeah, he ran away from the presence of the Lord, I don't think that Jonah really thought that he could get away from God's presence, literally, but I think what he thought was that I, I, don't, I, I don't like him now. I don't like God now. I don't like him showing mercy to people who are our oppressors. So I got to get away. I got to get away. What was his problem? Here's the essence of Jonah's problem, and we're going to see this time and time again. The essence of his problem was this. Unless Jonah can see his own sin and see himself living under the mercy of God, he will never understand how God can be merciful to evil people and still be just. And that's our problem today, too. That's the problem of all self-righteous people. The problem of all self-righteous people is that they have forgotten the severe mercy of God in their own lives. Self-righteous people compare themselves horizontally rather than vertically. Self-righteous people have an inadequate theology and view of sin. Self-righteous people, somehow they behave as if 
their pride and their arrogance and all of that did not send Jesus to the cross. Oh, I tell you, I tell you, the greatest way of, 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 of releasing grace and mercy in and through our lives is to catch a glimpse of the damnable devastation of our own sin, our own culpability. We have all hurt the heart of God. It doesn't make us any better than anyone else, and that was the message that God was giving to Jonah and the reason why he sent him there. So what's happening with my man here? Well, it's, 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 not, really, it's not really cool. So the first lesson is this. God will tell you to do things that you don't want to do. And the second lesson is pretty obvious. We come to, we come to verses 4 through 6. Lesson number 2 is that God will not be ignored. I, I just need to say that to all of us here. I just need to say that. God will not be ignored. You can't do this to him and think that there are no consequences. You can't do this to him and think that he will not respond. What happens here? Well, Jonah runs, but God won't let him go. Wait, 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 you think you're going to get away from me? You think you're going to get away from me? There are two things in verse, verse 4 and then verses 5 and 6. God won't be ignored, and what will he do? Well, number one, he will send a storm, and then number two, he will put a spotlight on our sin. First of all, he will send a storm. Okay, so he runs, and he gets in this ship, and they're going, and verse 4 says, but the Lord hurled, hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. <laughs> God hurled. That word hurl, that Hebrew word translated hurl there, is, is often used for uh, throwing a weapon or a spear. It's the same word that's used over in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 11, when Saul threw the spear at David. Ah, yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's a shot over the bow. God says, you're going to run from me? You think I won't come after you? So what does he do? God hurls a storm right at the ship, right at the ship. God threw a mighty storm onto the sea around Jonah's ship. I like to believe that that storm did not affect the whole area. I uh, can't prove it from the text, but I believe, I believe that that storm was localized. You got somebody on board that refuses to listen to me, that won't do what I'm telling them to do. Listen to me, listen to me. Again, I, <laughs> there's a lot that I don't know, but this stage in my life, I have, I have seen this in life, I've seen it in my own life. Every act of disobedience invites a storm. Every act. 
Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows or woman sows, that shall he also reap. There's no such thing as crop failure with God. You don't disobey God without consequences. Every act of disobedience invites a storm. Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy. There are many important lessons for us to learn from Jonah, but we'll need to begin with an honest evaluation of our own willingness to listen to what God wants to do through us. Hope you'll be able to join us for each challenging message in the weeks ahead. That was the first half of Crawford's message, Self-Righteous Disobedience, based on Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. We're at the very beginning of Crawford's new series called God's Severe Mercy. Now, if you're not always able to join us for our broadcast each week, you can hear Crawford's messages on our website under the link Past Programs. Go to livingalegacy.org. Or you can download the entire series to your audio player for free. Look for the MP3 link on our website, livingalegacy.org. We're very grateful for your emails. They help us know how God is using the program in your life. Let us know when and where you listen and what you find helpful in each message. It takes just a few minutes, and you'd encourage Crawford and the staff. Write to us this week, livingalegacy.org. Look for the Contact Us button. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being with us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.